uh, hey, John, we're filming now. John, oh, oh we're I'm, filming. I'm sorry, I was caught up in the newspaper here. Just reading. Boy, the news is grim. Quite depressing. I can't wait till there's some good news. Really, really good news. A headline on the front page that is super positive, that is profoundly uplifting, and will just joyful. But I'll still keep reading the newspapers. Um, my dad, I think one of his favorite things to do was to read the newspaper. I still have memories of him in his big chair in the rec room, and he'd be reading the paper, sometimes falling asleep behind the paper, but he'd read the Toronto papers, and then uh, because his hometown was Aurelia, he had a, a relatives in Aurelia who would collect the Aurelia newspaper, and Dad would get them, and he'd read through them to keep on top of the Aurelia news. Uh, his uh, interest in newspaper reading got passed on to the family. It's in our DNA. I enjoy reading newspapers, and uh, there's some pictures that uh, we're including now, given this is a family-oriented Good Friday service, and you can see a picture there of Mark just before he was two reading the newspaper. There's a picture of my dad and Mark reading the newspapers, and then a picture of me and Mark again reading the newspapers. Uh, that fascination with newspapers uh, trickled over to uh, delivering the newspaper. My brothers and I had a big route with the Toronto Telegram. It got bought out by the Toronto Star, and we had a paper route of 300 papers, if you can believe it. We were so thankful that there were a couple of apartment buildings and a senior's home included in our route, but it was uh, a big undertaking. In fact, I even was a newspaper reporter for our high school newspaper. I wrote a grand total of one article, and then I packed it in, but I still have a experience and memory of uh, my newspaper reporting. No, there were no newspapers that first Good Friday. There wasn't a Jerusalem Gazette or a Rome Free Press but there was a news reporter on the scene, a young man named John, a disciple of Jesus, who was there as they crucified Jesus. He was an eyewitness as he stood at the foot of the cross. And in his gospel account, he reported what took place that first Good Friday. And there was lots and lots and lots of bad news all around John. There were the Romans who were still oppressing the Jews. There were the chief priests there who were gloating over Jesus' apparent defeat. A dead Messiah, <laughs> they thought. There were soldiers taking liberties um, over Jesus in his uh, 
time of, of, of weakness. Um, there, there were uh, family and friends. They were standing there full of uh, shock and grief. But there were also close friends who weren't there. Peter was nowhere to be found. Some of Jesus' closest friends abandoned him in his time of vulnerability. There was so much bad news. In fact, John looked at Jesus, battered, bruised, beaten, broken. Jesus was a bloody mess. Lots and lots of bad news. But John was there, and he heard Jesus cry out one word, Tetaleste, Tetaleste. We translate that Greek word, it is finished. Oh yes, John heard Jesus cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He heard the agony in Jesus' voice when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But John heard that one word. It was a word that truly changed everything. If John was to produce a headline banner, a banner that would convey the really, really good news for Good Friday then and for Good Friday now, it would simply read, Tetelestai. It is finished. It is finished. No, Jesus was not saying, I am finished. I am done. I give up. I throw in the towel. I tap out. No, Jesus was not saying, I am finished. He is saying, it is finished. It is completed. It is accomplished. Now, you know how difficult that can be. Think of that house project. Maybe you're even going to try at it again this weekend. How long has it been lingering? Two years? Five years? Ten years? It never seems to get done. Or think about those household tasks that are even more significant in these days of staying at home. Think of the dishes. They're never done. Or the laundry. There always needs to be another load. Now when Jesus refers to it is finished and in such a convicting way, he is referring to the work that his father assigned Jesus to do. And John gives us this clue in his gospel account. In John chapter 5, he has a record of Jesus teaching this. I have come to do what the Father has asked me to do, the work of the Father. And then in um, Jesus' prayer, I believe the disciples like John overheard this prayer, uh, Jesus prayed just before the crucifixion. This is an anticipatory prayer. Jesus prayed, John 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Here we see what it is that Jesus finished. 
He finished the work of dying for our sins, defeating sin, death, and the devil. He finished, he completed the uh, act of dealing decisively with the consequences of our sin. He was the atoning, uh, substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. He bore the burden of our sins. In fact, John Piper, in a little book, captures it well when he gives us 50 reasons why Jesus died. There is a lot that Jesus accomplished under that umbrella of finishing the work of the Father. It is finished. Not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. Not a cry of tragedy, but a declaration of triumph. Even though sometimes what looks like defeat is actually a victory. Now, I know you're not going to guess this by looking at me, but I've always been just an average athlete. I know you wonder how someone with a buff body like this can just be average, but, but that would be the fact. Uh, I'm likely a better spectator, and I always love watching sports, and I've enjoyed watching my children participate in sports. Even Melissa, she played baseball. Uh, I loved watching her play soccer. And more recently at work, she has been on the work dodgeball team. Now, can you imagine a sport where the object is to hit the other person with a ball? She's had a couple of minor injuries, but she's enjoyed playing dodgeball. As you know, Mark's played all kinds of sports, but I especially remember Mark in, on the high school wrestling team. Now, I wrestled in high school, uh, but it was during mandatory gym class where I wrestled. But Mark was on the team, and there was a tournament and Mark did well in the tournament. He got through to the quarterfinals, and he was up against another wrestler named Rico. Now, subsequently, we got to know Rico quite well. He ended up playing football on the university team Mark played on. Uh, but Rico was a big guy, uh, very tall, athletic, quick, pretty heavy, and he was up against Mark. Mark was definitely the underdog in this match. But in the first couple of minutes, Mark did a surprise takedown, and Mark was up 3-0. to zero. It was getting towards the end of the match with about a minute and a half go, and Rico made a move, and he got Mark to the floor. He got two points for it, so now it's Mark 3, Rico 2. And Rico's got Mark down on his back. All Rico has to do is pin Mark's shoulders to the mat. And I remember Rico putting his full weight on Mark, trying to get those two shoulders down. It seemed very apparent that Rico was going to win the battle, but Mark was resilient. And in fact, uh, spectators watching that match, plus others who had been watching other matches, riveted their attention. Imagine a uh, heavy guy, Rico, putting all his force, all his effort to get the shoulders down, and Mark refusing to submit. Some of us wondered, Mark just throwing the towel. I think we were ready from the stands to throw in a towel on Mark's behalf. 
to indicate he had quit. Or maybe just tap out uh, to indicate that he had had enough. But Mark kept going. 30 seconds left, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. And finally, at last, the referee's whistle. Uh, If you were to look at that moment, if you were to come into the uh, auditorium right at that moment, it sure would have looked like Rico had won the fight and Mark was the loser. But the scoreboard told another story. And the moment came where the referee was to raise the arm of the winner. And he went over to Mark and he raised his arm. And it was a wonderful, wonderful celebration of a victory. You know, at points on Good Friday, it sure looked like Jesus was the loser. He, he looked defeated. He was battered and bruised and broken. It looked like hell had won. The devil had triumphed. But Jesus said these words that resonate for all time. It is and will forever be finished. This is a cry of victory. Patrick earlier read from Hebrews chapter 10. It talks about the limitations of the Old Testament sacrificial system where people would have to come annually for the forgiveness of their sins. But in this same passage, we're told that Jesus died, and he died once for all. It has been, it is, and will forever be finished. I so look forward to being able to pick up a newspaper in the near future that has the headline, COVID-19, it is is finished. It's something we can look forward to. But I can tell you with absolute assurance that first Good Friday, Jesus in addressing the greatest pandemic of all, the greatest problem the human race has ever had to deal with, when it comes to the penalty for your sin, when it comes to the consequences of my sin, Jesus cries out, it is finished. Amen.